If you're ready for some word today, go ahead and get your Bibles out, get your Bible apps out, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I know many are watching online as well today, and uh, I'm so glad you have tuned in. Make sure you like, comment, share uh, this so we can spread the word more and more and more and more. And, and, and that will be a blessing. I'm just not going to look at you the whole time like I have been the last few weeks. I'm not doing this. I, I value facial interaction. Okay, so I'm not neglecting you by not staring you down. I started a series uh, a few weeks ago uh, called Focus. All right, Focus. Have you all been watching that online, Focus? All right. Today, in person, we are going to focus. This is such a valuable skill to learn. Uh, Jesus said here in Matthew six twenty two, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And so the the words of the Lord here, very, very powerful, because of the outcome. And can can you see with me the outcome? Someone's either going to be full of light or full of darkness. I think most of us could quickly agree that being full of darkness is probably not a good thing, right? Being full of darkness would equate to all kinds of evil and everything Satan would want to do. Being full of light is full of God himself. It's full of his word, his love, his promises, his blessings. It's all that God is. You can be full of that And it is contingent, not upon God's divine sovereign will, but upon what you do with your mind. And if you can learn to focus on the right thing, you open your life up to all of whatever that is to come in. Of course, someone could focus on the wrong thing and it would be successful and they'd be filled with with, with darkness. But one of the greatest problems that exists today is distracted living. So many people are distracted from what they should be focused on. People are often going in two directions in their minds. And they need to decide. Because you can't serve God and mammon. you got to dial in on what's most important. We often will think about and speak about today uh, how people drive. A lot of discussion, laws being passed about distracted driving. Right, usually related to texting and using your phone. And uh, what are the results of distracted driving? Well, unfortunately, too often, it's wrecks and sometimes death, either the person doing it or someone else. And so you understand it's a valid discussion to have about distracted driving. It can really cause a lot of problems. But what about distracted praying? What about distracted worship? What about distracted living? What about distracted coming to church or watching church? See, I looked at you. (laughs) What about doing the other things, the things that are most important in all of eternity? What if we try to approach those 
And we're doing it in a, in a distracted way. Our minds are going different directions at the same time. Might that also be dangerous? Maybe we should pass some laws. Anybody in government? <laughs> Maybe we should pass some laws that say it is illegal to try to serve God in a distracted way. Okay, I'm not for bigger laws, more laws and all that. You understand what I'm saying? But maybe I'm a pastor. I mean, I should be authorized to write tickets. <laughs> not, not for speeding and things like that, but for distracted praying, distracted living. People who don't see their purpose and, and they don't live for God and they're going different directions. I'm going to cite you. Say, so you are dangerous, man. You can't be out here living like that. You can wreck your, wreck your life and maybe run into somebody else. Everybody okay? What do we mean by distracted living? I mean, there are many things that get uh, convoluted. Jesus used the example here, you can't serve God and money, basically mammon or money. You, you can't do both. All right? Make your choice. What are you going to live for? You can't do both. All right? We could, we could contrast a bunch of spiritual qualities like, like faith and fear. Are you going to live in fear or are you going to believe God? All right, belief and unbelief, you know, contradicting types of uh, positions. We know this book is divided into multiple portions. The biggest portions are the, the segment of the law and then the segment of grace. The old covenant, the new covenant, as it's often said. I mean, no, you don't get those two, those things straightened out. You're going to get in a spiritual wreck. You're going to misinterpret much of this book if you don't know which side of the cross uh, the words are coming from. It's so important that we learn how to focus and, and get our minds on one thing. These, these mixtures, if you will, basically sap the, the strength of the good things that God has done for us. They, they remove our ability to, to benefit from them. Here's what I'm talking about. Another way to say this is we need purity. Not contamination. We need to be clear inside. Here's a statement that Jesus made in Matthew. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, what? See God. See God. What do the pure in heart get? Sight. What do they get? Vision. What do they get? An ability to see God. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that why, isn't that at least one of the reasons why we come together, why we participate in a service? We want to see God clearer. So, well, no one can really see God. Understand what he's saying there. Jesus is not confused about the statements that no man can see God, or mean, meaning see the face of the Father. But we still want to see him. In, in what way do we, are we seeking to see God? I want to see what is of him and what's not. I want to be able to clearly look at my life and my future and my family and everything I put my hand to and know this is a God thing and this is not a God thing. I want, wis- I want to be able to see his word. I want to be able to see the leadings he, he gives me. You ever had that? You're praying and you're thinking, is that God or is that not God? Is that me? Is that the devil? What is that? What is that? What, what is that, you know, that prompting? What is that thought I have? The clearer we are, the more pure we are, the more we can see. Everybody okay? Listen to this. Isaiah said this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The issue here is many people don't know the difference, but the condition needed to make this happen is, as Jesus said, purity in heart. Why do some people struggle to perceive, have accurate perception of all things right and good and God and spiritual? Why do some people struggle with an ability to receive what God has promised, to receive an answer from their, for their prayers? I want you to consider this for a moment. Think about your own life. Think about what you know. What do you know that God said for sure? He made a promise. What do you know that Jesus died for, specifically for you? What do you know is a fact? It's a reality in, 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 in God, yet you're not experiencing it. Yet you don't enjoy the benefits of it personally. Could the reason be your lack of perception and your lack of reception be tied to this non-contaminated inward part of your, of your life? If you can clear it out, now you can perceive and now you can receive all that God wants you to have. Praise God. Instead of being clouded, distracted, uh, diverted in two different directions, divided, we might say. I want to get focused, get single in my pursuits. Amen. And I want all things God to be made more clear to me. A couple things that I like to do as a hobby, really, is fly and dive. And uh, I was thinking of those two events because visibility is important in both. When flying, you want visibility so you can land at the airport and not on buildings or, or anything else. You need, And that's one of the things you always look at if you're going somewhere. You need to look at the visibility in that area whether clouds or smoke or, or smog or anything. You want to be able to see, and the further the better. The easier it is, the more, more you can see, the easier it is. Uh, also diving, not skydiving, but diving in the water is uh, one of those things that visibility underwater makes all the difference in the world. And I don't really want to go under there if I can't see anything. Uh, Wesley and I were, uh, a few years back, we were fin- doing a certification here locally and we had to do an open water uh, dive to do pr- some of the skills. And, you know, uh, we don't live near the ocean. I don't, that is a problem, by the way. But we don't live near the ocean, so they start looking for bodies of water. And guess where we went? Quinn's Pond. Has anyone ever been to Quinn's Pond? It might be nice to put your feet in. It is not nice to dive in. Because you get underwater, you know how far you can see? It is almost nothing. And it's like, we're under, we're, this is scuba diving. <laughs> you can't see anything. And uh, uh, one of the guys told us, they said, actually, what's funny is this spot is listed in diving magazines. So if people are traveling and they want to hit some new places, they said it's listed and they tell you what kind of fish and what kind of plant life that are there. I'm like, you're about to really annoy some people. <laughs> If they come here, bring their gear out there and go in that water, oh, Lord, (laughs) that's going to be miserable. And uh, just like it's important to see while flying, just like it's important to see underwater in order to enjoy that, how much more is it important to see God? We need people with greater spiritual perception, understanding, ability to know what is him and and what is not. 
And can I tell you something? This is what excites me. I'm stirred about this. Okay. Our ability to focus on him directly connects us to the miraculous realm of God, which he created us to be a part of. We're not creating the miracle. We're not forcing God or getting him to do something according to our desire. It's something that he created. And he designed a a people to partake of that with him. We are not just physical beings, but we are spiritual too. Yet many in our great and advanced education and and approaching life from a mental standpoint, we have lost our ability to perceive things in the spiritual but our ability to focus will open up our lives to a world that already is. Again, God is. Miracles are. That's a miracle realm that God lives in. Healing is a fact. All that Jesus died for is a fact in God's kingdom. And our ability to focus on what is enables us to partake of, partake of it and receive it in our lives. Amen. Say it out loud with me today. Say, God is here. here. Right here. Right right now. now. With me. me. In all of his glory. In all of his power. In all of his wisdom. In all of his love. He is here. Present. With me. Now. And at all times. Hallelujah. Therefore, whatever God is, whatever he can do, he's right there. But can we see him? I was thinking about purity. I think I found that God likes things pure. Not only the pure in heart, but I was thinking about heaven. And some of the scriptures we have about heaven tell us tell us some interesting things about his construction mentality. All right. Revelation twenty one eighteen reads The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The city is that way. 22 verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. A pure river, clear as crystal. Anybody going to get in that river someday? Come on, I'm getting in. Without a tank and a mask, I'm going to walk around on the bottom and have visibility that I've never imagined before. It is crystal clear. Think about how God works in us. If you're a believer, if you're saved already, understand when you got saved, it was complete. Colossians tells us we are complete in him. He didn't, he didn't just put a band-aid on our dead condition, right? We, we, we were not just made better. We were born again. Amen. We are not forgiven sinners, but new creations in Christ Jesus. This is the work of God. This is how he approaches things. Amen. Someone said, I gave my life to the Lord and he made it so much better. Yeah, just up your standard a little bit. I gave my life to the Lord and the old guy's dead and my new life has begun. Amen. That's the way he looks at things. Let me read a couple verses to you. And if you would, find Titus chapter one. While you're doing that, let me read a couple verses to you about... uh, about uh, purity, okay? 1 Timothy 3, 9, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. 
How do we hold on to this? With a pure conscience. That's up to me. Okay, That's not salvation. That's not me being purified by the blood of Jesus. This is after the fact. Paul's writing to Timothy. He's a pastor. He said, this is how you do it. Keep a pure conscience. Why do that? Many reasons, but one of them is this. When it's pure, you can see. 1 Timothy 5.22. He writes, do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. All right, laying hands on people hastily, it has to do with ordination and being a part of their ministry. He said, don't you do that quick, because if they're messing it up, you're becoming a part of that. Here's the, here's the word. Keep yourself pure. If we knew how many things were connected to that purity, we would all strive for it every day. Every time something tried to contaminate us, we would say, oh, no, that's not worth it. You knew. No, not worth it. Amen. You ever drank something clear? And, in, uh, and as you were drinking it, you, there was something, you, you got a chunk in your mouth? You thought, oh, you have no idea what it is, but it's not right. Don't get a chunk in your prayer life either. Amen. Don't get... Hallelujah. In Philippians 4, Paul was writing and telling them how to think. He said in verse 8, whatever things are pure, meditate on these things. What should we put our mind on? Pure things. Pure is all through God, all through the scripture, all through a way of living our lives. Now, Titus 1, did you find that? Titus 1, verse 15. Verse 15, you can read the whole book, get the context. It says, uh, to the pure, all things are pure. Wow. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But to... Uh, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. So external things are pure by themselves. The distinction in pure and unpure has to do with the disposition of the person looking at them. If I keep myself pure, and if you read the context, you'll see the verse before talks about the commandments of men. See, commandments of men are saying, that's, um, that's impure, that's defiled, okay? But when you get pure, it's not about the commandments of men anymore. You can do whatever does not, you know, when you're pure, you can see anything bad that's in there. Yeah? You jump in Quinn's Pond, you can't see anything that's bad in there. <laughs> but many times, you know, you can go to a swimming pool and, and, you know, people throw the little toys in there to go swim and get them. You can see when the, when the pool is clear, Right? You want to be able to see things uh, in God that way. In, in fact, God's design, you, you, if you read the first part of the book, or the part, we call, the part that's called the law, it's, you know, started over there in uh, Exodus, and, and the, the, the law, there was hundreds of laws. And then Jesus came along, and through his sacrifice, we are able to be born again. He said, now you just need one law. It's called love. All the other commandments, all the gazillion commandments are all summed up in this one thing, just love. And that's what's able to happen when someone is pure. Praise God. This freedom from contamination is really freedom in all things. This should be the goal, the desire of every one of us. Not only filled with light instead of darkness, but think about it. You want to get God inwardly, not just get his benefits outwardly. Nothing wrong with the outward benefits. 
That's not where we start. We start inside. I was thinking earlier about how sometimes people are opposed to, really just in the church, not in the world, but in the church, sometimes people are opposed to the word prosperity, okay, and try to, you know, tie it to materialism or uh, that type of thing. They don't understand how God works. Not only is it all over the scriptures, but it's also revealed to us that prosperity works inwardly. It's not just, uh, if, if someone believes God for prosperity, they're just saying money, 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 right? No, they, it's, a, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of seeing God. It's a way of believing. That, when it is inward, will not allow someone to do the wrong thing outwardly. And there are many perks to prospering inwardly, including outward prosperity. But there are many perks to getting it inside, to seeing these things clear. Don't build a kingdom on earth and be spiritually bankrupt. You guys, I think we're close to the end. I think the Lord's coming back soon. I think he's doing a quick work. I think we should count it a privilege and an honor to be a part of what he's doing in this la- these last days. I believe that church is going to get better and better. I believe that individually people are going to experience God on a personal level more and more than they ever have before. I believe that the miracle, not only the miracles of God, but revelation of things not known, God is going to reveal himself to more people on a personal level than than has been known in the past. We live in an exceptional day, a precious time where God is working mightily. All we're doing here is setting ourselves up to not miss it, to not be so convoluted and just mixed up in the world that we miss the move of God. It runs right past us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What contaminates our minds? What kind of things allows us to get in that place where we're no longer able to perceive the things of God? Let me give you five. Number one is worldliness. Number one is worldliness. I'm thinking about, uh, I'm thinking about a guy named Lot who lived in Sodom. And the scripture says over in Second Peter about him that his righteous soul was vexed from day to day seeing and hearing the evil things all around him. I paraphrase a little bit. He, in fact, it says that he did it to himself. He vexed his righteous soul by watching all the garbage all around him. Day in, day out, day in, day out. He's seeing things, he's hearing things that are completely opposite of God in his ways. And he's tormenting himself. If we continue to stare at the wrong things and to take in, take in all the worldliness that is around us, we're only hurting ourselves. This is not a matter of being judgmental about someone else and what they're doing. This is just smart for our own heart. If we will guard what's coming in. Number two, we contaminate our minds through wrong teaching. I'm talking wrong teaching about God, his plan, his word. There is there. Unfortunately, there is this today. Uh, and, and, and people are taught in a way that accuses God for things that he didn't do. People blame him for their troubles. Many have run away from God because they were told that God took your child because 
for some unknown mysterious reason. And I want to tell you, your father in heaven loves you so much and he's not killing your kids. We live in a, I could teach, you know, for a month on that. But we live in a wicked world and there is a thief that comes to kill, steal and destroy. But God is not our problem. He is not the one harming us. Wrong teaching clouds us. And we start viewing God, not through the, through the life and teachings of Jesus, but we start viewing God through religious tradition and through things that are just spoken out of experience, but not out of revelation. And so we have to watch that our heart is not contaminated with wrong teaching. Number three, what contaminates our minds? Uh, compromised convictions. Compromised convictions violating your own conscience by entertaining wrong thoughts and wrong deeds. I am responsible to keep that sharp, to keep my conscience clear. And if I am compromising what I know, I'm not talking about telling everyone else what they ought to do. I'm talking about I should guard my own conscience and make sure I keep that clear and not, you know, not calloused. Number four is unforgiveness. What contaminates our minds? Unforgiveness does. We've all had an opportunity to unforgive someone, (laughs) right? Or to not forgive because we've all been harmed. Everyone has been done wrong. You've been lied about. You've been, you know, stabbed in the back, so to speak. Everyone who's lived very long has experienced someone hurting them in some way. But watch out. Because if you let it stay, here comes the cloud. Here comes the diversion. Here comes the place where you can no longer accurately perceive and receive from God. So, are you ready to let it go? If you've been holding unforgiveness, that's a whole message by itself as well. But if you're mad at someone, hurt by someone, holding it against them, it's time to say, by faith, Lord, I'm turning them over to you. I let them go. I release that, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that, uh, uh, that harboring of unforgiveness in my heart. And I pray your blessings on them. Truly from my heart, your mind will fight you in the middle of it, but do it anyway. Pray God's blessings. Not just in, not just in theory that it really happens. God gives them extra money, heals their body, makes their relationship strong and whole, blesses them on the job. Come on, pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. Until that cloud is out of your mind. Until your heart is clear of that, that, that bunk in your life. Number five, what contaminates our minds is uncontrolled meditations. Uncontrolled meditations. This is constantly thinking about negative things. If I do not control where my mind goes, it's, it's called, you know, meditating on the worst case scenario. Yeah, but what if this doesn't change? What about the economy now? What about my business, my job, my finances? What about my health? What if this happens? Oh, I have a pain. What if it's a, you know, what if it's the C word? Or something like that. And we start meditating on it, thinking about it, playing it out over and over again. I'm telling you, the Lord would never have you do that. He would never say, oh, if you'll just just kind of meditate on these things day and night. No, we've got to guard our meditations and, 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 and put our minds on his promises and Him see him working in our lives. Amen, amen. Let me give you one more today. And, uh, and then we'll finish. 
I've got much more. I'm not going to finish what I planned, what I thought I planned. Although when I planned it, I thought that's too much. But, you know, when people listen good, <laughs> well, uh, I, get more, I get more unction. When people are hungry for, for the things of God, he gives it to them. If we don't give a rip, we'll, we're done in 10 minutes. We'll be one hour dry cleaning. <laughs> so how come the service is so short? No one really cared. They thought about lunch more than God. They thought their mind was on what they wanted to do this afternoon uh, more than the things of God. I didn't plan to say that, but I, oops. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to get whatever you want from God. If you give him your attention, you'll get more. If you say, I'm just going to get my sneak in my little duty to make sure I stay saved, <laughs> you'll live on the surface. Come on, you're a little floaty thing on the surface. It's time for us to go deeper by hungering after the things of God. Amen, amen. And the more you do, here's how I found it works. I'm going to read this, I think. Here's how I found it works. When you keep your mind stayed on him, and that takes effort at first, once you get past the, the fight up here, then God's presence manifests stronger, and now it's easier to stay there. You have to break through. You have to make the effort to get there. When you are, you're thinking, why don't I live here? This is amazing. I'm not afraid. I have no concerns. I, it's like God is with me. I can tell. Where is he? I don't see him, but I do. And it takes effort to get there. Do it. Come on, man. Do it. And God will work in your life like never before. Uh, hallelujah. Are you guys pulling this out of me, or would you would you please let me finish? Or Second Corinthians eleven? Could you go there? Let's finish. Say we'll just keep going. Well, we got another service, and everyone's spreading out and everything today, so we can do our thing. Amen. I'm sure glad to be back, though. I'm glad we've been let go, so we can gather and have the house shaken. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, it reads, But I fear, this is Paul writing to the church there, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Wow. What's What's the issue here? He's saying this is how Satan comes after you. He comes after your thoughts. He comes after your mind. That's where he deceives. That's where he corrupts. That's where he gets access to your life. Someone said, well, the Lord is really attacking my marriage. Yeah, I don't know if that would be the best way to say it. It's easier to say, (laughs) right, when you're telling other people, the devil has been attacked. Listen, here's what, or the Lord, uh, you know, the devil's been attacking my health. The devil's been attacking my finances. The devil's been attacking whatever it might be. Okay, I know he wants to do that. He, he wants to destroy people in all areas of life. But here's, where, here's how he gets to us. He comes after our minds. He tries to corrupt our thinking. If he can get our attention off of what God said, what he promised, what he said we should do, and onto this beautiful tree with this luscious fruit that the Lord said, stay away from it. 
and start pondering it and thinking about it, looking at how good it is. Mm. And then throw some thoughts in there, like get you start reasoning, getting you into false philosophy. Well, here's why the Lord doesn't want you to eat that. You're going to become like him. Starts getting you to reason, get into the mental realm. The battlefield there is where we lose our fight with the devil. But if we said, no, 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 I'm going to stay with the, what the Lord said. I don't even have to fully understand why he doesn't want me to touch that tree right now. I'm just going to go with him. In the process of time, I'll probably understand it and see it more than ever before. But right now, I'm just going to do what he said. I'm going to take him at his word. Just like I do with my car. I don't know how they put it together. And if they sent it to me in parts, I'd be in trouble. You know, even, if, even with instructions. <laughs> But I'm going to use it every day. I'm going to get in there. I know where that button is. I know how to start it up. I know how to drive. I'm going to benefit from it every day without fully understanding, without engaging the enemy in a mental battle. I'm going to obey God and keep this thing simple. I'm not going to complicate it. So I start trying to figure out everything before I obey him. No, I'm just going to take him at his word because he's trustworthy. In the process of time, I'll learn, I'll understand more and more and more, but I'm going to obey him by faith even before I get it all. Everybody okay today? Man, the gospel is not complicated. That's why you, you with your doctorate degree and, and your advanced education, you can be saved, but not if you rely upon your education. Someone on the other side of the planet may be living in a hut with zero education. They can be saved too. Because it's not about mentally figuring everything out. It is about receiving the revelation of God. And when you have a pure heart, this is your desire to seek after him and know him. He will reveal himself to you. He'll reveal himself to any of us. Praise God. I, I remember hearing about a pastor, a couple pastors in a certain city. One of the pastors was uh, had very much education. He had advanced degrees and he studied the whole pastoral thing and theology and ministry. And, all. and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm for that. I'm not against that at all. I think that's great. Uh, but there's another pastor in town that started a church and he had not near the education or the credentials that this other pastor had. The, the first one was not seeing much results, yet he had a head full of knowledge for sure. The other one with his lack of you know, comparable experience and education was going gangbusters. And it frustrated the, you know, the other pastor who had more degrees. And so we talked to him one day. So what are you doing? How is this, how, how, how is this working so well for you? And the guy said, well, I would just read in the scripture, like when Jesus said, they shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said, so I'd do that. And I'd put my hands on them and miracles would happen. And I found out whatever I could find in the word that the Lord said to do, if I just do that, God shows up. And doesn't, doesn't that mess up all the models? Doesn't that mess up all the, the grandiose plans and you have to do it this way and follow this pattern? And all How about we just keep it simple? God loves me. Jesus died for me. He said if I would pray to the Father in his name, I would get what I asked. See, now then the mind kicks in. Oh, no, but what about, but what about, but what about, but you got this and this and this. And, and they start trying to add everything to the simplicity of what Jesus promised. 
I'm telling you, if we would just keep it simple, we'll start seeing God. Hallelujah. Amen. I got to finish. Think about it like this. I'm finishing, really. It's like the child. Remember Jesus said some positive things about being childlike? Not in all areas. You don't better be child, like a child in all areas. In some areas, you do want to be a ch- like a child. Okay. Think about how children enjoy their lives. You give them a toy. They do not care. They're not battling ego and some advanced explanation of how it works. You give them the toy, and if they push the button, something happens. Right? And they're happy with that. Look, I turned this. Water shoots out. Woo! Not, how did that work? How's that? I don't know if I believe that. Is this just for me, or is this God's will for me, or something? No. There's a simplicity to them that allows them to enjoy some things in life just because they work. And I wonder if we could take a step back sometimes in our relationship with God and say, I don't have to figure everything out. I'm going to do what he says. And you push this button and wow, look what happens there. You pray this way and this is what happens. Come on. And don't go any deeper than that. Hallelujah. Well, I'll come back with that a little bit later. Amen. I'm coming back next week. We're still gathering, right? From here on out. You're watching online. I'm so glad you are joining us that way as well. And be blessed in, in this. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us today.